0: And we will be in John chapter 13 this morning, hopefully, if we stay on notes, if we stay on task here. You you never know these days what the preacher might do, but we're going to pray that uh, things go the way the Lord plans them to go. We've been talking about what it means to be a Christian or what a Christian is over the last several weeks, and uh, really for the purpose of just reminding ourselves and make sure we have a good understanding of what a Christian is not according to what we think a Christian is, but what God says a Christian is, what the Word of God says a Christian is, because there's way too many uh, teachings out there and ideas in the world that are saying something totally different about what a Christian is, and uh, the danger is that uh, many are accepting this false truth about what it means to be a Christian in this world, therefore contaminating the witness of the believers at some point so just kind of know that it's a it's it's a challenge that we're all facing and it's something that we need to be grounded in and we need to know and so that's why when we started we studied that a christian is first and foremost a believer not only that jesus is the christ not only that he died and on the cross for the sins of man and was resurrected uh, proving that he is the messiah the christ the savior of the world And also that uh, the gospel is for everyone and all of the doctrines that come out of scripture, all of the absolute truths about God and his existence and his creatorship and Jesus and his lordship of our lives. That's what a believer is. is, And a Christian is a believer in those things. Uh, We also talked about uh, a Christian being a disciple, a, a student of our savior, student of the one that we're supposed to be like. One who studies the word, one who studies the ways of Christ, one who prays about how to live in the ways of Christ based on our studies. We are a student of who we are supposed to be. And that was uh, our second message. And then last week we talked about a Christian is a fruit bearer, a fruit bearer, right? One who, uh, because of they believe, because we believe, because we study, because we do the things that we learn and grow in Christ, uh, there's evidence in our lives that we are believers, that we are disciples, that Jesus is our Lord, that the Spirit of God is having his way in us. So if you missed any of those, they're still online. You can go check them out you can and re-listen to them or share them with someone so that they might also know. Today, I want to uh, give you the idea that a Christian is a servant. And I wonder, I don't know this for a fact, but I wonder if maybe this may be one of the aspects or the characteristics of a Christian that might be one of the most difficult parts of being a Christian, is to become a servant. The idea of being a servant doesn't really appeal to many people, especially in this part of the world. It's not something we strive for. We're taught to strive for success and strive for growth and strive for uh, to, to, to be whatever it is the, the, the the dream is, and it really doesn't have to be have to do with servant being a servant to someone else. However, we know that Jesus Himself was a servant. Right? We if we know anything about Jesus, if we're being good disciples because we believe, then we know that Jesus Himself was a servant. We know that He came to serve, right? John chapter 13 and verse 1 through 5. We, we, we recognize this teaching in John because it's about when Jesus washed the disciples' feet at a meal, right? And we use it a lot to teach different things about servanthood and about our Savior and about uh, humility and all of the things that come along with who we are in Christ and what Jesus did and why he did it. So let's read the first at least five verses, maybe six verses. And it says... Uh, uh, it was just before the Passover feast when Jesus, uh, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own, his own who were in the world, he, he showed them the full extent of his, of his love. Verse 2, the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. So this is the event. Jesus knows it's about time for him to be arrested and crucified. He also knows, he also knows that uh, one of the guys is going to turn on him, and that's how he's going to get arrested. You all know the story. You know how it goes. And yet he comes into this meal, and he does this one thing that seems to shock everyone. And if you read Luke's account of this moment, it talks about how some of the guys, some of the disciples were having, uh, they might call it a debate, but it was really an argument over who was the greatest of Jesus' disciples. Who was the best disciple, right? Couldn't have been, it couldn't have been, uh, it couldn't have been uh, some of the guys you don't never talk about because they, nobody knows who they are. They never do anything. Was it John? Was it Peter? You see the problem here because they're getting ready to eat a meal and as custom was they were to they were to come into this meal as as anybody else would have in any meal and there would be a servant there to wash their feet because one their feet are nasty because that's just the way it was in those days they were walking around in dirt and everything else that's in the street along with every animal that walks up and down the street and it's all over their feet so you certainly it's just like in our culture today, you would wash your hands before you come to the table because you don't know where you, what you're doing and what you're working and you're out and about doing things and you don't know what's on your hands, so you wash your hands because your hands are going to be about the table. Well, in their day, they were lounging at the table because that's the way it was. They would, they would recline at the table, so that means their feet would be near the table at some point. So you wash your feet and they would customarily have a servant come to do that for everyone who would come to the dinner well it didn't seem to be anyone there to do that and the the disciples the ones who were supposed to be studying jesus and trying to be like jesus were busy arguing over over who was doing that the best who was being like jesus right I'm better than you, or you're better than me, or maybe, the, who's going to be the best at being like Jesus? Well, let's find out, Jesus says. Right? Jesus gets up and does what none of the rest of them had even dreamed of doing. Possibly they were waiting for someone else to bring in a servant to do. And it just wouldn't make sense that some, some servant would be brought in to wash their feet. And Jesus stands up, and he wraps a, a towel around himself, and he gets a, some water, and he starts to, to wash everything you can think of that would be on a person's foot from walking around in the public city and the countryside off of their feet with his own hands. And I'm, I'm going to let you know, in, the, in these days, there were no uh, surgical gloves to put on your hands to protect your own hands from whatever it is you're messing with so he's with his own hands these same hands that were going to receive the nails not too long from then were washing their feet so that they could recline at the table and have a meal with him isn't that amazing what jesus would do have you ever thought about why jesus would do such a thing well he says in verse six, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you, are, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And then, of course, Peter argues with him, which we'll get into here in a moment. But he, he, Jesus says to the disciples, says to Peter, but says to everybody in front of everybody, you don't really understand. You see me washing feet, but you don't understand what I'm doing here. You don't, know what I, you don't know the significance of what I'm doing. I'm, you're, you're, you're arguing who, who's the best at being like me, and none of you are willing to do what I'm doing right now. So I'm answering your question, who's the best? The answer is none of you. None of you are, at the, are the best at being like me. That's the problem. But he says, you won't understand this now, but you'll get it later. And I feel like he's saying to Peter later, meaning when the Spirit of God comes to them at Pentecost, they will have full understanding of it all, and then they can be like him. And then they can serve like Jesus served, right? Because we, we, in our own strength, we don't have what it takes to serve the way Jesus served. You realize on the cross, Jesus... Uh, he did this while they were arguing he's serving them he came to serve them he came to be lord and savior and he came to serve the first time he came he came to serve mark chapter 10 verse 45 i think i got it up here yeah so first thing he does is he washes feet and the next thing he does is he died on the cross he died on the cross he gave his life on the cross willingly went to the cross willingly took the punishment, took the consequences for the sins of man, of human beings, our sins, mine and yours, and every other person that's ever existed, is why Jesus went to the cross. Look at Mark chapter 10 verse 45, it says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come here to be served by us. He's, he's, he's Jesus. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He should have been served. But that's not what he came here for. He came to serve us by going to the cross. He took our place. He took the place of the sinner. I don't know that there's a greater service that can be done. To a man or a woman than to give a life, an innocent life. So Jesus Himself is a servant. That's the best place to start, wouldn't you think? If we're going to look at what a Christian is, and if a Christian is to be a servant, then we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be studying about Him and being a disciple of Him because we believe in Him and we are bearing fruit because we're doing those things, then the the title servant or the position of servant must be a reality in our lives. Wouldn't you think? And I think that most Christians, most believers, most people who sit back and say, I love Jesus and he's my Lord and I'm saved, really believe that they're willing to serve whenever the Lord presents the opportunity. And I would just caution all of us and say, let's not... Let's not be Peter and just jump up and say something that we think Jesus wants us to hear and not realize what we're saying. Because Jesus is saying, if you're not willing to do what I'm doing for you, then you're not willing to serve. If you're not willing to wash another person's feet or serve another person in this way, you're not willing to serve. If you're not willing to lay your life down for a brother or a sister, you're you're not willing to serve. If you're not willing to be second or third or fourth or last, you're not willing to serve. So if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to be little Christians or like Christ, then we need to learn and ask God to help us become better at being servants. Because that's the main role, isn't it? We're here to serve not only God, not only our Savior, we're here to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're here to serve the community. Those who are not believers, we serve. Challenging, isn't it? Here's some examples that we can talk about or we can look at. Did you know? Do you realize that the preachers, the God, people that are, are called to preach are servants? And any preacher that doesn't understand that is really falling way behind on what's going on. And they're going to struggle a lot. Now, I'm not saying any pre- I'm not saying all preachers are perfect at this. We we suffer. We we fall short. We have to try hard sometimes. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we miss the mark. Sometimes we don't see the opportunity. Sometimes we neglect the opportunity because preachers are just people. Right? Thank the Lord for God, thank for Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us along the way. There's two examples in Scripture we can look at: Ephesians chapter six and Colossians chapter what is that? Four. That gives us uh, two two people, Tych- Tychicus and Epiphras. <laughs> I say his name right. Are described as servants. It says dear uh, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything, so that you also may know how. Uh, how I am and what I'm doing. Epaphras, it, who is one of you and, and the servant of Christ, Jesus sends greetings. He's a servant of Christ Jesus, he's described as. These are leaders that God has called to preach. How about the how about the elders and uh, the deacons of the church? If anybody who's studied about eldership and, 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 and deaconship or leadership in the church really uh, really should understand that these are uh people who have been called to serve the church and to serve god in a great way and and the more faithful they are the more serve service they are about the more they do the more times you can see that they serve and and we have great servants here in this church just let you know that you guys already know that as far as our leaders go first peter chapter five verse one through three talks about that as far as elders go it says be shepherds of the flock that, that is under your care watching over them because uh, not because you must but because uh, you are willing god wants you to, wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve it's a description of the eldership not lording over those who entrusted are entrusted to you right they're servants the elders are what about the deacons in first timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 it's describing the deacons of the church Those who have served well gain an excellent standing. Those who serve well gain an excellent standing, not with the people so much, but but to God, in front of God. God sees what they do. God is looking for the service that he's called us to. Notice I said us. Not just because I'm a preacher and there's elders and the deacons in this church, but also because there's other believers. There's the church members. There's the congregation. There's the the brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all called to serve. That's who we are. That's what a Christian is, a servant. Here's Here's what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 talks about. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelist, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I'm just going to say this before I say something else. I am so blessed to be assigned to serve Alongside of you all in this church. I feel uh, the Lord is doing great things in our lives. I think he's helping us along in some troubling things as life goes on, right? And I think that the people in this church do well serving one another. From the best I can tell. I think it's for God's glory. God is the one that brought that together. God is the one that does that. There are congregations around the world that have trouble with this, believe it or not. Can you imagine? Can you imagine groups of people who call themselves Christians, who claim to be believers, who claim to be disciples, who may or may not have fruit showing in their lives, have trouble with the idea of being a servant. Congregations who get mad when the preacher or the elders don't do for them what they want them to do but yet they won't do anything for anybody else can you imagine usually the ones that complain the most are the ones that do nothing for anyone else that's not servant that's not being a servant and i praise the lord that we don't have trouble like that in this congregation you know how much trouble that is for the leadership when when, when, when people are not understanding their role as a servant to other people, to other churches, to other communities, to the world, to God himself. The best way to understand servanthood is to know that it's not about me. And I'm last. I take care of self last. That's why, that's why one of my personal, I guess it's a motto, <laughs> my personal things to live by is that if I go about the Lord's business, I'm confident he'll be about my business. But if I'm all about my business, then I can't be about his business. And I I hope that makes as much sense to you as it makes to me because there are plenty of good preachers and elders and deacons who have burnt out and left their post because of people who don't understand what it means to be a servant what it means to get involved what it means to be a part of the body of christ it says in this verse ephesians chapter 4 it says that the primary responsibility for the leaders of the church is to prepare the congregation for works of service and the, and the churches that have trouble with this, they don't understand that it's not the primary purpose for the preacher and the elders and the deacon to do the service. It's for them to prepare the others to do the service and then go alongside of them and do it with them. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's what that's what we're get, That's what we're t- getting uh, taught here. We're equipping his people for works of service. And if if a congregation doesn't learn how to serve one another, they will never serve the community in an effective way, in a way that, that brings the gospel to the community, in a way that changes the lives of many people, in a way that causes a spiritual revival around their church building. Isn't that what we all look for? Isn't that what we pray about? Isn't that what we're trying to get God to help us find ways to do? We need to find ways to serve. We need to ask God, how can we serve each other and the community today, tomorrow? And I'm, I'm right along with y'all. I, I pray that every day. I'm like, what do we got to do, Lord? What's next? What's the next thing to do to get people's attention for you, to help people know that you're real, to get, get ourselves in the presence of somebody who doesn't know God, who doesn't really understand Jesus and haven't been saved? How do we get ourselves out there? And everything I've ever been taught about ministry and outreach is about do whatever you've got to do to make connection with people so that one, t- one day you get, an, you get an opportunity to love them and share the gospel with them. But it takes time. It takes daily contact. It takes regular contact. We share life with people. We don't judge people. We love people. And then God presents that moment in that servanthood. Oh, here's, here's what I believe and why. Here's why I love you so much. Here's why I'm serving you. It's what Jesus was saying to these disciples. He's like, here's why I'm washing your feet. Because you need it. You, need, you, don't, need, you, don't, you don't need anything else. You just need your feet washed. And then after supper, you're going to get up and go home. And then tomorrow, you're going to walk around some more. And you're going to need your feet washed again. You're going to need to be served again. You're going to need to be loved again. And you put that on a spiritual level. And Jesus is saying, you're going to need to be forgiven every day. You're gonna be need to be loved every day. You may have got saved, right? You may have been baptized and forgiven for your sins. You may have confessed that Jesus is the Christ and repented, and 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 you can live in in knowing that you're saved, but every day you're gonna have to have something from Jesus that's gonna need, you're gonna need to grow. And that's service. He's there for you. Are we doing that for each other? Are we doing that for our neighbors? Are we doing that for those who are drifting away from the church? Are we doing that for the ones who are against the church? Imagine that, y'all. Imagine the Lord putting you in a position to love somebody and, and put yourself in a, a position of service toward those who are against you because you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's foot washing. Right? That's foot washing. Here's why I say that, because Jesus was on his knees, took off his, uh, he took off his robe and put on himself on his knees and grabbed a towel and some water and was at the feet of those who offended him. And when he was on the cross, they would all flee from him. And he still served them. He still loved him, them in that way. And he continues to love people in that way today. And if we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, if we're going to walk around saying we're like Christ, then that's the way it needs to look. That's the way it has to be. Way too many, way too many good servants of the Lord are discouraged and fade away because of the rest of those who don't know how to serve. God's people are servants. I mean, I I was very tempted to just come up here, say hello to y'all, and say the Lord loves you and I love you, and then say God's people are servants, let's pray and go home. Because that's all it really is, isn't it? God's people are servants. But the Lord wants me to explain a few things, so that's what I'll do. Because it helps us. I do love you, and the Lord does love you. So the question that would come up naturally, okay, well, I'm all in. Let's do it. Help me be a servant. How? How do I do it? How can I be a servant? Or, better question, how, how does God want me to be a servant? Isn't that the best question? Because if I decide how I'm going to serve, I'm probably going to get it wrong. Right? Because I don't mind cooking barbecue for folks in that service. I cook barbecue for hungry people. And if that's all I ever picked, then how am I how am I sacrificing? Why is it hard for me? I'm putting myself first, aren't I? Because I'm picking something I want to do. Why not find something? Why don't I find out what the needs are? Why don't I find out how to how to serve people by looking at what's going on in people's lives and saying, you know what? I don't really have time for this. I don't really want to do this, but it's needed, so let's do it. That's how you know you're washing feet. When the Lord puts something in front of you that you can't ignore, but you don't, you know, you're trying to look away, but you can't because, you know, the Spirit of God's there going, "Uh, uh, yeah, that's real and that's a need and you need to take care of it. And then we get in, once we get past all the yabbits with God and maybe this or maybe that and this and that, and we finally surrender, then hopefully we haven't missed the opportunity. So here's some ways. Here's some ways to know how. First thing, make ourselves available to serve. We live in a world, we live in a we live in a society that is nonstop. I mean, people don't I mean people don't even have time to sleep. We got people on medication because they don't never sleep. They're drinking power drinks or whatever them things are called, energy drinks, twenty four that's all they ever drink. Probably gonna have a heart attack at thirty five years old because that's all they ever drink. It's not healthy the way we live. How on earth can we be available to God as his servant if we're so busy about our own lives? That's the reason why churches are uh, lacking in their attendance even from those who are believers because they got other things to do besides worship God and pray with each other. Did you know praying with the person that's sitting next to you is, is an act of service serving them taking them before the Lord did you know listening to a person uh, when they're grieving or when they're uh, stressed out or whatever the need is is an act of service you ever ask somebody how you're doing and really didn't expect an answer <laughs> didn't want the answer you're walking through the store or somewhere, and you're like, hey, how you doing? And then they take 25 minutes to tell you how they're doing. And you're like, ooh, I got stuff to I gotta go. I didn't really plan on being here for 25 minutes. But however, what if the Lord planned on you being there for 25 minutes for that person to listen to? That's an act of service in some way. Just little, little examples like that. Our schedules are too busy, y'all. And here's the thing. And it's easy for the preacher to stand up here and say this because I don't have nothing else to do but be here. In that right? All y'all got lives going on. Y'all got jobs, you got families, you got stuff. I've been there, I wasn't always a preacher. I know what it's like. It's it's hard because once you leave the church, it's out of sight, out of mind sometimes for folks. Because life is happening. And I pray, I pray that every believer who, who genuinely loves God is a genuine disciple, a genuine fruit bearer, and wants to be a genuine servant. We'll will find a way to get with God and just stop everything and rearrange the priority list about their schedule and just start it off and say, God is first, period, no matter what. And my wife knows this, but God is first even before her. My son knew that. God is always first. And I will let God manage that. And I pray that our believers around here will understand that. God has got to be, you have to be available. Nothing wrong with having schedules, having jobs, having a life. But if you're not saying, unless God needs something else, then you're missing it. We're going to do this. We're going to live this way. We're going to make this schedule. We're going to make this trip. We're going to do this with our lives. We're going to build our business. Unless God says uh, something else needs to be done. Unless God takes me over here. Unless God wants to stop everything and make me do this. Are you that available to God? Because serving people is serving God. Right? That's why we say here at the church, love God and love people. We could easily, just as easily say, serve God and serve people, or serve people and serve God either way. If we only serve when it's convenient, we probably won't never do it. Hello? Hello? I'm not trying to hurt y'all, just trying to open our eyes so that we can pray about things and think about things. Sometimes it hurts to say amen when the preacher's right. Amen. Being a servant means allowing God to interrupt your lives whenever he feels need. And here's the thing, once the more we understand how God does things, it won't, we won't see it as an interruption. Because we're always about the Lord's business. Hello? Here's the next thing. Pay attention to the needs in your, in your life. Pay attention to the needs in your family's life. Pay attention to the needs in your church, in your community, in your neighborhood. There's needs all around, y'all. I know there's needs, and I know that this congregation knows about the needs in this church because we get message after message after message about them, which I'm grateful for because how else can you help if you don't know? If you don't know something, you can't do anything with it, you can't serve if you don't know you have to stay informed you have to be involved you have to know what's happening right so pay attention to the needs Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says therefore as we see opportunity let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers you notice the scripture is teaching us especially the believers our brothers and sisters in Christ why why would he say that why would it be especially the believers? Does Jesus love us more than he loves the non-believers? I don't think so. But I can tell you this as a, as a as a as a brother in Christ, as a as a believer, a fellow believer, I know that if I'm up here if I'm in here by myself trying to do the work and serving this community, I'm going to get discouraged. And you would too. So I'm going to serve you the best I can. Maybe I could do a little better if y'all pray for me, I'll do better. So that you will help me go serve others. And I'm pretty confident that if there's a time where I need to be served by the brotherhood, that y'all will be faithful in doing that because you've proved that to me over and over again. So that I could be built back up and get back about the Lord's business. That's what it's all about. That's what our prayer list is always all about. Every, everybody on our prayer list is because we're concerned about them. We love them. We don't want them to be sick. We don't want them to be hurting. But it's really so that they can get back to the business of the Lord because right now they're taken out of the game because they got something else going on. So we serve them until they come, are able to come back and be a part of what we're doing. You know, opportunities don't always last long, right? I don't like, I hate, I hate, I really hate being forced into decisions, important decisions. I, I, don't, I don't like for people to say, this is why I, I, I don't go to car lots and I don't go places that are like that trying to sell you something and they want to fast talk you. And put pressure on you and make you make a decision really fast. I don't like that. Because the opportunity, there's like the opportunity to buy it, it's gonna be gone. You better do it right now. You gotta get it right today. But if you're not paying attention in life, you're gonna miss opportunities to serve people. You wanna know why? Because their life is in trouble. Their life their life is going on and that opportunity to be a blessing to them or to serve them or to help them or to pray for them or to do whatever it is God's leading you to do it's there and then it's going to be gone I don't know how many I I can't even count the times when I've spent some prayer time with God just repenting over missing opportunities I should have done that I should have did this you know you look back and you're like man I could have probably done something else or I could have done something better I should have just took that up, and you have regrets. I call spiritual regrets, which we praise God for His grace, right? Because He knows that, and He 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 forgives us, and He uses us to grow in that. And He's like, the next time you won't miss it, will you? The next time you'll be right on top of it. The next time, you'll do what I lead you to do. So just pay attention. Here's another one. Do our best with what you have. You know how many people don't serve because they think they're not qualified or they think they don't have what it takes or they don't think they have the means? Right? It's difficult to give your last $20 bill to somebody when you know you need it for something else. It's difficult to share a meal when you don't know if you're going to get another one today. You know how many, you know how many uh, documentaries I've watched or uh, 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 articles I've read about when sometimes when someone gives a bunch of money or gives a blessing to a homeless person and that homeless person immediately gets up and walks over and gives it to some other homeless person? All of it? Because they think they need it more than they do? When the reality is they all need it. You want to talk about being Humble? Just think about if you were the person who brought the blessing to the homeless person and that homeless person took all of it and went and did something else for somebody else and didn't take none of it for themselves and you still got a wad of of blessing in your pocket and you're thinking to yourself, "Mm, (laughs) hmm, maybe I don't know how to serve. Maybe I don't know, you know. It's deeper than just being nice to people. It's deeper it's, it's a way of life. It's who we are. It's ingrained. Right? Ecclesiastes. How many of y'all read Ecclesiastes every day? Nobody. I mean, hopefully y'all have read some of it, at least some of it. Look, it says, whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Y'all understand what he's saying? If you're standing out on the deck and you're saying, I wonder if we should, I wonder if we should plant our crops today. I don't know. No, I can't tell. Is it going to rain? Yeah. look, the last two days, I'm looking, I'm standing on, a de- on the front porch of my house. I'm like, should I cut the grass? It says it's going to rain. It says it's going to rain, and I don't like to cut the grass when it's wet, and I want it to be dry, so it cuts it nice, and, it's, and that's just the way I am. The grass still ain't cut. I had opportunity after opportunity to cut the grass because it rained all the way around us, and it was sunny at my house the whole time, and I'm like, well, it's supposed to be raining, and I don't want to be out there getting caught in the rain. And because I was watching the wind, nothing got done. It takes me 35 minutes to ride that mower. You understand? If we're, if, if we're waiting as a church or as, a, as an individual or as a family, if we're waiting for the guaranteed opportunity to do it right and to have the best results, then we're just watching the wind and we'll never get anything done. And we'll fail because we don't do anything. That's that's like hiding the talent in the ground because we're afraid to fail with it because the master's coming back. God wants us to go out and serve people. He wants us to serve one another and serve people. He wants us to to create opportunities. He doesn't want us to wait until we have to do things. He doesn't want us to wait until we have the, 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 the things that we need to have great ministry. He wants us to do great ministry with what we have. And serve people. All right, here's another one. We do our task or our ministry or our servant uh, task with dedication. We're dedicated to it. I'm in. You're either in or you're out. This This is a little known fact. And I don't even know how they came up with this fact. But it's presented as a fact. As a statistical fact. That every congregation on every Sunday... Somebody has to adjust something because somebody else didn't stay faithful to their commitment to serve. Or somebody didn't show up. Or somebody didn't show up and didn't call and say they were going to show up. It might be something small. But they just say every church every Sunday has to adjust something because somebody fell short of their commitment to serve. I wonder what would happen if Sunday morning the people who do what they do just didn't show up. Or Wednesday night Bible study. I wonder what would happen. It'd probably be a big deal to a lot of churches. There'd probably be some meetings going on. (laughs) Right? But no meetings happen when the servants fail to show up during the times ministry no meetings happen when things don't happen the way the lord wants them to happen right so we we're we're dedicated to being servants jesus was dedicated he didn't just wash two of the servants feet he didn't just wash all but one because he knew the one was going to betray him he was dedicated to all of them you want to talk about dedication He went to the father in the middle of the wilderness and said, if there's another way, let's do that. Because this is not going to be fun. This going to the cross deal. And the father says what? No, this is the way it's going to be. And he's like, "Okay, your will be done. I'm in whatever your will is. I'm in. Have you ever thought about that as a servant? Have you ever thought about your life as a servant, your your commitment to Christ as a servant and nothing else? And we're just standing at the ready for whatever the Lord might say. Hey, need that one and that one and that one. Come over here and handle this. And there's no prayer meeting. There's no board meeting. There's no, there's no, there's nothing, there's no discussion. It's like, yes, Lord, let's go do it. Whatever it is. That's, that's what servanthood is. And that's what being dedicated to the Lord means. That's what being saved is all about. It's 100% commitment. Jesus was all in for you. Aren't we all in for him? <laughs> I know he was all in for me. I don't understand how sometimes, but I know he was. And I pray that more and more every day, I can be more and more all in. And, there, and there's, there's some times now when I'm, I re, it's, it's completely obvious that I'm not all in. Not because I don't really want to be. It's because I don't know how or I didn't know that I was falling short or I just in that moment chose not to be all in. That's, that's the Christian walk. That's spiritual growth. We're all walking that journey. That's why we all need our feet washed every day. Because every day there's going to be stuff on our spiritual feet. Some of it's from others because we're serving others. Some of it's our own stuff. That jesus has to wash off and, and it, you know, isn't it great that we have a savior who serves like that it's the little things in life that become big things it's the little ways of serving the little thing you know how many things you know you know what it, you guys know what it takes to worship god on sunday morning as a group we, we don't need all of this building in this sound system you know you know how much you know how much prayer time it takes f- for us to get the sound going Ask them guys back there what goes on. Because technology is just a pain sometimes. Sound system is just a pain. And several people that's been in this church way longer than I have have told me when we were way back up in the mountain, we didn't even have a microphone and things didn't ha- we didn't have those kind of problems. And you still worship the Lord. You still serve each other. So why? What's the problem today, right? Little things go a long way when it comes to serving. Whatever the assignment, we say what? Yes, Lord. You can't say, no, Lord. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Because if he's, if he's your Lord, you say yes. If you say no, he's not your Lord. You've heard that before. And finally, servants are faithful. There ain't no calling in sick. I remember them days when I had a job when I could call in sick. Right? I had, I had days where i had build up time off and I could call in sick if I wanted to and use my personal time and you could do that for whatever and they never questioned you. And there were, there were days and, and I caught a lot of fish when I was sick. <laughs> I didn't tell them I was sick. I just said, I'm going to take one of my sick days. That's all I said. That's not the Christian life, y'all. You don't call in to God and say, I'm, I'm not serving today. Sorry. You're in or you're not in. When you say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, you're saying to God, I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to be a servant to your kingdom. And it's on, God knows when you need rest. God knows when you need strength. He knows when you need lifted up. He knows when you need a break from stuff. So let's let him run the schedule. Let's let him do the, the guiding. Let's let him do his thing. Don't you want to be a part of what God's doing? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to see people get saved? Don't you want to see people get their lives changed because they met Jesus in some way? Then we have to be servants. We have to be servants. (laughs) So look at this here. Uh, The last thing, I thought I was on the last thing, but I'm not. Servants maintain a low profile, y'all. We're flying low. We're under the radar. Right? Because a servant of God is bringing glory to God. No true servant of God says, look at me, I am a servant of God. I'm a pretty good one too, because I do all of these things. And then we have somebody pat us on the back. No. Now, there's nothing at all wrong if, the, if, let's say a congregation wants to recognize the ones who serve. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, because that servant will give the glory to God right and we're saying we're saying hey look at this look at this servant right here and what god is doing in their life isn't god awesome and praise god for this servant and those people over there in this family how many people along the way in this congregation have done great things to make this church what god wants it to be isn't that great and i think it's appropriate to honor god by acknowledging those people but if our hearts are saying uh I want to be a great servant of God so that I can be important in the church and be important in the community, then we're just like the disciples who were arguing over who's, who's the best at being like Jesus and when nobody would wash each other's feet. And that's what Jesus is saying. You've got to have your feet washed, and I have to do it. And then he told them to you guys, now you guys go do what I've done. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, fully to the work of the Lord, always, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This particular scripture right here, y'all, as I get close, I'm getting close to the close here, getting close to landing this thing. This scripture right here saves, saves my ministry more times than you'll ever know. It says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. And if, and if we're busy assessing everyone else's ability to serve or lack of, then we're not busy about our own service. If we're, if we're busy getting worried about and fretting over, who's, how, how come I'm doing this by myself? If I would just trust the Lord and put myself fully into what he's called me to do, then he's faithful and that work is not in vain. You see, Satan wants us to be discouraged. He wants us to to wreck our hope in Christ. He wants us to be distracted from what the Spirit of God is doing. He wants us to miss the opportunities to be servants in the world. He wants to bury our faith in the ground. So let me finish this and then I'll, I'll be done. Go back to Ch- John chapter 13 as we close. As we read this, as we read this account, we think about the spiritual life more than anything. In verse 6 of chapter 13, he says. Uh, He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And then, of course, Peter being Peter in verse 8 says, "Uh, you shall never wash my feet. You think Peter would learn at some point. You think we would all learn at some point. Verse 9 says, then, Lord, (laughs) first off, Jesus' answer to that was, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's the second time Jesus said something direct to Peter that should have got his attention for eternity. First time was get behind me Satan, remember that? Nobody's going to kill you, Jesus, not until they kill me first. He didn't know what he was talking about, he didn't know what was going on. And he says, "Unless unless, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's Jesus saying, unless you are cleaned by me, you cannot be saved and you will never be in the presence of God. That's what he's talking about, and he's using this example to express that to them because they don't. They, he's like, "You're not going to understand this now; you'll understand it later." Then, verse nine, Simon, Simon Peter replied, "Not just my feet, Lord, but my hands and my head as well." He's like, "Okay, if that's the case, then you got to wash all of me." That's just the way Peter is. He's one extreme to the other. Then he says, uh, in verse ten. Uh, Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean. Though not every one of you. He's saying, look, you're you're already clean, Peter. You've already committed yourself to me. You've already acknowledged that I'm the Christ. You already know me as Lord, so there's no need for that. But because you're walking around in this world, your feet need to be clean from time to time. You need to get with me, and you need to repent, and you need to grow, and you need to, you need to learn, and you need to be a disciple, and you need to recommit yourself and your faith, and you need to look at the fruit, inspect the fruit on the tree. Notice he says, he says, you are clean. He says, though not every one of you. Who do you think he's referring to there? The tattletale. The one who went and got him arrested who had by this time he had already made up his mind according to what we read look at verse 11 try to get through this really quickly for he knew he was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean verse 12 when he had finished washing their feet he put his clothes put on his clothes and returned to his place and then he says "Do, do do you understand what i have done for you he asked them you call me teacher and lord and rightly so for that is what i am Listen to that. I am Lord, and I'm a teacher, and that's what you should know me as. Watch what I do. Verse 14 says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, look, you also should wash one another's feet. You think the conversation about who's the greatest was over at this point? (laughs) Who dares say, oh, I'm the best foot washer now. I'm going to be the best foot washer no can't even imagine that conversation would continue then in verse 16 finally he says this i tell you the truth no servant is greater than his master write that down in your memory bank no servant is greater than his master nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him hello disciple maker preachers and elders And then finally in verse 17, and we'll finish with this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know, you'll be blessed if you do. Right? This is is what is missing from the understanding of the Christian life today. This is what is the problem. Sorry, I missed that too. This is what the problem is with the understanding of who we are in Christ. What is a Christian? It's not just saying I believe, or it's not just confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior and then going to heaven and that's it. Total life change. In fact, you die so that you can live. Right? Whoever I was in Gilmer Kingdom... I was king, actually, of that kingdom. And I was running that kingdom in the ground, by the way. But thank God, I surrendered it all to our Father, to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm perfectly fine being a servant to him. Remember the prodigal son? When he started to come home, he was like, found himself in the worst place possible in the, in the on the planet. And he says to it says it came to himself, and he's like... Maybe if I just go back to my father's house, maybe I can just have the crumbs of the servant. Maybe I can just be a servant to the servants. And because he just wanted to be a servant, he was welcome into the house. Everything Everything was made right. And his father brought him up to be a son simply because he resigned himself to be a servant. The Lord loves you and I love you. If you don't know the Lord, today's the day. If you're not not serving the Lord the way you should, then I encourage you to think about asking the Lord to help you do better because he still loves you. It's not over. Just because we don't do right, just because we don't do well, doesn't mean we can't do better. You want people to get saved, you want the church to grow, you want your family to be useful in the kingdom of God, let's commit to be servants. Y'all ready to sing? Let's stand together and we'll sing.